Episode 6 of the Build a Better Podcast with Executive Coach Mr. Brett Blair. Hey, what's up? My name is Chuck Belden and I found myself at 45 years old in a rough spot and totally lost on how to get out of it. I felt my life was on autopilot without any goals or direction and I'd lost my sense of growth and progress. Uh, All at the same time, I lost a business, my best friend of almost 40 years died suddenly, I was in a really bad car wreck totaling my car and injuring my back, and my 13-year-old dog died to top it all off. Now, some might call it a midlife crisis, but looking at it now, I like to call it a midlife wake-up. I woke up to my mortality, and I realized I've got a lot I still want to do while I'm here. I don't have all the answers, so I'm now on a mission to find great people to learn from. I want to know what they are doing to develop themselves personally and professionally their views on relationship building and how to be of greater service to others, what they think of modern masculinity, their philosophies on life and parenting, health, fitness, longevity, legacy, and whatever else we get into. First, I believe we must wake up from our autopilot. And if you're now awake and wanting more, my wish is that this podcast gives you not just inspiration and motivation, but tangible steps on what to do next. The bottom line, I'm interested to learn what people do to build it better. All of it. Coaching is unlocking people's potential to maximize their own performance. That's a quote by John Whitmore. And I find it interesting how common it is for adults as we grow older to fall into autopilot mode, to fall into a routine and to lose interest in pursuing things that interest us. Um, As we were growing up, we were constantly surrounded by performance coaches, even if they weren't called exactly that. They were in our schools and sports, at home and church. In our social clubs, uh, we were surrounded by people that had the responsibility of helping us get better. They were everywhere, and at some point along the way, many of us lost our fire for personal growth. I've heard a saying that goes something like, do you know how tall a tree will grow? As tall as it can. And unfortunately, that's not the case for most people. Uh, Most people don't grow as much as they can. They don't fulfill their full potential. Today, I'm super grateful that I got to chat with a high-level coach on many of these things, including how to live your best life, and uh, I get to bring it to you right here on the podcast. So uh, Brett Blair is the founder and president of Best Life Global LLC, a coaching and consulting company providing business growth, leadership, and executive coaching, uh, training, and organizational consulting services. Uh, Brett is the founder of Sanford Rose Associates Brighton. It's an executive search firm that helps executives, business leaders, and teams to improve business performance while achieving balance and growth in their personal and professional lives. Uh, His consulting expertise lies in executive coaching, human relations strategy, organizational development, leadership, culture, and climate, uh, motivation, team effectiveness, talent management, performance management, recruitment, selection and retention, all the things. Uh, He's published two books, From Autopilot to Authentic, which I just crushed in Living at the Summit, which I'm about to dive into, and he's currently writing two new books, one titled Busy is Bad. That one sounds really good. I can't wait to get into it. Uh, He is also a sought-after keynote speaker, the founder of the Best Life Movement, which is an organization aimed at helping business leaders live their unique best lives, and he's in the process of getting his PhD in organizational psychology with emphasis in applied uh, positive psychology. He's a loving husband and a father of three. He's an avid runner and a really, really good dude. If you're interested in building a better life, I can't wait to hear what you get out of this chat. So let's go. Brett, welcome to the uh, pod. I'm so happy that you're here to chat with me today. Thank you. I'm yeah. thrilled to be here. Well, thanks. We were having some good conversation kind of offline, so I'm, uh, I'm excited to dive deeper into that. Um, I was, uh, I'm, I'm excited that you're here because I just finished your book. It, um, it hit home on a, on a million different levels for me, as I was, I was telling you briefly a minute ago. But if you would, I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself, tell, you, tell our listeners here a little bit about who you are and and uh, maybe we'll get started that way. All right. If you can do that. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to yeah, condense no. my story. Tell us who you are in 15 <laughs> seconds. So I'm Brett Blair. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
currently an executive coach and consultant and author and I live in Durham, North Carolina, but I, I grew up and I lived a completely different life for a big chunk of my life. That's part of my story. But I grew up in Missouri in a small town near Kansas City. When I was a little boy, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a writer. I, I, I was a real curious, happy little kid. I used to read the encyclopedia just for fun. No kidding. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I used to, like, I, I was get real, I was really interested in, in other people's lives and I loved reading. I knew I'd one day write a book. And somehow my, when I was a teenager, something changed and I became more focused on making money mm -hmm. than, make, than, than having meaning in my life. And <clears throat> when it became time to choose a college and a, a college, a degree to get, I chose engineering just for the money. Huh. I wasn't good at math or science. <laughs> Did you know engineers? I didn't know any engineers. Interesting. I thought engineers were on, on trains. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I chose the, what I thought was the easiest engineering route, which was industrial engineering. Okay. So I, got, I, I, I went to the University of Missouri as an industrial engineering student. And then I hated it. <coughs> I, I did it. I was, I was a Boy Scout as a kid, Eagle Scout actually. And I was always taught to finish what you start. Mm -hmm. So I started engineering, so I was going to finish it. I spent a year in Japan during college, which was awesome. And it, it gave me a break from the engineering curriculum. And um, I came back and I finished it. And then I got a job at 3M. Actually, I, I worked as a co-op, as a, as a student at 3M. And then I graduated and got a full-time job there. And then later I got a job with the division of Alcoa that made wiring for cars. Okay. So this was in a... Um, the job was in Nashville, Tennessee, so I moved there. I got my MBA because I, I knew I hated engineering. So I thought, well, if I get an MBA, I can move away from technical work. And I met a girl who had just gotten divorced, who had two little girls of her own. And we got married, and then we had a boy three years later. And then 20 years went by, literally 20 years in a blink of, li of living that corporate life. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a good career. Uh, about a half of my time in, in that career was in HR. So that's when I learned firsthand I love working with people, not things, and not so much money. But I was chasing the corporate ladder, and my, my last few years I was the director of, of, or the general manager of a division of the company that made um, cooling fan controllers for cars. They went from belt-driven to electric, and we, we designed and built those things. And so this was, uh, I was in my mid-40s, been there 20 years, had three kids and a wife, and all the stuff that comes with it fast-growing corporate career. On the outside, everything looked perfect. I had good health, good family. But in my mid-40s, something started to churn inside of me. And I, I began to realize that all I was doing at work was trading my time for money. And, and it was weird, the, 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 more, the higher I got in the company, the more stock options became available. And the more that was a big gamble every year, those could be worth zero or worth a ton. And I just felt like I was gambling my life and, and only for money. And so I, I really don't know what triggered this, but I, I had this kind of epiphany in my, at 45, 46 years old, that all I was doing was that and I needed to make a change. So I decided to quit wow. that job. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> I think what was happening was the, the little boy in me was, was, was shaking me and saying, dude, you want to be a teacher, you want to be a writer, you want to help people. You never said you just wanted to make money. So I quit that job and thinking I would just get a new job, I reached out to a guy who I knew when I was in college. Actually, I dated his daughter when I was at University of Missouri. His name is Dr. Tom Hill. I reached out to him and said, Tom, I emailed him and I said, hey, I'd love your help on make, helping me think through a job change I'm going through. And he said, great, um, let's have a call. So we talked and a bu a bunch of, about a bunch of things, but he said, hey, Brett, have you ever thought of owning your own business? And that question took me by surprise. And I, I, I said, well, not since like, like in high school or early 20s. He said, well, if you're ever going to, now's a good time. And literally that question gave me permission to, to go there and I realized that's what this is. I, I want to be I want to be an entrepreneur, and and I want to like chart my own path. Hmm. So I, I still didn't know what I was going to do, and I, I thought, well, I'll buy a franchise. I'll buy a McDonald's or a Subway or something. 
And, and, and those cost a ton of money to start. You have to have a bunch of them to make any money. And I swear in one week I had like two different friends come at me from different parts of my life recommending I should be a recruiter. I had never thought of being a recruiter. And I, I thought they were crazy, but I looked into it and I realized, you know, I, I could maybe do that. I had been in HR for a long time. I like people. Now, I had never sold anything. Mm-hmm. But I, so I ended up starting a small recruiting company. And I was living in the suburbs of Detroit then. This was in the 19, I'm sorry, 2007. And uh, I started a business called Sanford Rose Associates. It was a franchise mm-hmm. of boutique recruiting companies around the country. And I, I, I opened this business and I, um, it, it took off. Like my first client was the company I just left and they were giving me recruiting projects and I was making money like crazy. I thought, why did I wait this long to do this? And uh, I was telling Tom about it. And he goes, you know what, I'm, I've got a, I'm coaching people. You might benefit from it. And I didn't even know what coaching was. And I said, well, tell me more. He told me more and I said, okay. So I hired Tom to be my coach a couple of months after opening my business, thinking that he would help me with that and like help my business grow. Instead, he helped me retool my life. And I experienced firsthand at 46 years old, um, I got help on how to get clear on my priorities and what are my values. And I started for the first time to live my life on purpose. Mm. And I, I, we would have a coaching call once a month and he taught me how to, how to be honest about what's important to me, how to measure that, how to set goals, how to commit to growth. And I started doing that and that was the beginning of a rocky period in my marriage. My wife did not like this guy I was becoming. Um, not long after that, the, the economy melted down, mm-hmm. 2008, 2009. Yeah, I remember. Uh, after a long struggle, my wife and I eventually got divorced. By this time, my son was 18, so he was out of the house, and the girls were already out of the house. So I was living in the, the house we owned in Michigan by myself, divorced, the economy had melted. So I went from making more money than I could dream to losing money. Mm-hmm. Um, almost went bankrupt. I had, to, I had to cash in my life insurance policy to make payroll. So that was like a pivotal moment. And I can remember, it, it couldn't get any worse. Like it was really, really, really bad. And I got a phone call from my mom, who was living in, in Florida, and she shared with me that she found out that she had a lung disease called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, and that her doctor in Florida told her that she probably wouldn't live much longer if she didn't get a lung transplant. And her doctor recommended that she look at getting a transplant at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. Um, Long story short, <clears throat> Duke would only take her as a prospective patient if she would move to Durham um, and live near the hospital, and she had to have a family member live with her to be on call 24-7 as her caregiver. So at 49 years old, I moved to Durham with my mother in April 2010, uh, running my recruiting company remotely. My business actually started to grow when I did this. I had five employees then. And uh, July of that year, I met who's now my wife, Kim, on eHarmony. And then my mom had a double lung transplant July 30th, 2010. And she's now, it's what, over nine years later, doing very, very well. Glad to hear that. And in two weeks, Kim and I will have our eighth wedding anniversary. Wow, congratulations Thank in you. two weeks. Thank yeah, you. I love that. And one, one more quick thing. Yeah. Throughout that entire period, when the business was rocketing up and when it got really dark, I've had a coaching call once a month with Dr. Hill. He's now 84. Wow. Once a month for 11, 12 years, I've had a coaching call with him. And he, that, that process of working with him kind of created my roadmap for how I live my life. And living here in Durham, running my rec- recruiting company remotely, I would meet people and I could tell by their eyes or in talking to them that they're miserable in their job or miserable in their life or maybe they're in a bad marriage. And I just want to shake them and say, dude, you don't have to live like that. You, you Find what you have passion for and go do that. And I realize I'm being a hypocrite because I no longer have passion for my recruiting company. Mm-hmm. So about five years ago, I decided, okay, create my third career and get about becoming qualified and credentialed and trained as a, as a coach. So 
I've done that. So now, and I sold my recruiting company a year ago to a lady I hired in 2008 as a secretary. Wow. She bought the business. She crushed it this year. That's awesome. Yeah, she did, she did really, really well. I love that. She had, when I hired her, she had a two-year-old. She had three more girls. So she has four girls at home. No kidding. And a husband works, and she, she's just doing remarkably well. I love Very that. Pre- Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I've been coaching people in addition to that, but now it's all I do is coach. And I'm, I'm getting my PhD right now in organizational psychology. And my real interest is positive psychology. Uh, I read Martin Seligman's book, Flourish, in 2010. And it, it triggered in me a passion for this whole notion of how do you, how do you become, how do you have better well-being in the future through habit change and through mindset change. And so I'm, I'm all about that in my life, in my wife's life, in my family, but also in my coaching clients. I want to be able to help them have more well-being in the future. And this whole science of positive psychology is all about that. Mm-hmm. So I integrate that in my work. Um, so that's me. I, I did. I've written two books. So okay. I'm a writer. I wrote a book kind of about my story, called "From Autopilot to Authentic," and then separately co-authored a book with Dr. Tom Hill called "Living at the Summit." So I'm a writer. I knew I was a writer. I just took a 25-year break from it. Yeah. And uh, um, I'm working on a third book called "Busy Is Bad," uh-huh. which is a fun book. But I hope to have my. I will have my PhD done in tw- the year 2020, and then just live fully helping people with, with how, my story and how I can help. So I've, I've babbled on. No, I could listen to that all day, and I really appreciate you like going that deep. So Thank you. Yeah, so thank you. Um, <clears throat> there are a number of things in there you said that I would just love to, to talk more about. And um, one of them is, you know, I think all of us as kids have that, that creativity in us, right? That, or at least I think we, we have something where we're just playing. We're not thinking about money at six years no. old and seven years old, right? Right. What happens along the way? Like, why, how, do we get, how do we get off that course and lose that playful, creative side of us, which is so freaking, because I experienced that. Yeah. And then, you know, when that does happen, like, you were able to get back, you know? Like, clearly coaching played a role in that, but how do, how do other people get back when they're maybe on a course on autopilot and they don't even know it? Yeah. Well, I don't know that I know the answer to it. Okay. I'll, let me play around with it. Yeah. Um, first of all, I thank God that I had my midlife thing happen because I'm aware that I could easily be today in that old career yeah, in that same marriage. And I was in love with her. I, I don't want to disparage the marriage, sure. but it wasn't the right marriage for me. But I could easily be there today and, and not live this full life I'm living. And I don't really know why I had that blessing of that feeling wake me up, but I did. I realized my, my parents were lower middle class. They hated, they hated salespeople, they hated wealthy people. And I don't know if part of my decision to go make money was rebelling. Got it. Or, or wanting more, I really don't know. That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. I would suggest, and I, I, um, I have a grandchild now, and I wanna help her not be br- brainwashed by chasing money, yeah. but instead ch- chase meaning or chase happiness. And my, my kids, my they're grown, but I'd still try to encourage them now to to just to go be happy and full and not unilaterally go after money. Because to me, that was a mistake that I did that. How to prevent others from doing that, I'm not really sure, other than just be aware there's so much more to life than, yeah. than the paycheck. And when we're done, the paycheck doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I do a lot of work on <clears throat> envisioning when I die, I, 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 want, I want it to be a big party. Yeah, I want thousands of people to say he was a nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't care. Nobody's going to care much money I made or or whatever. They're going to just remember their interaction with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I want to. I want that to be <clears throat> my legacy. And I, I, I advise people think about what a legacy they want to leave when they go and and live live now to create that legacy. I think that's smart, and I think a lot of people don't pay attention to that. I wasn't paying attention no. to that. I wasn't thinking that far ahead. There was, there's a study done and books written about it, and I'm, I'm going to sound like an idiot because I can't remember what it was, but I remember um, um, this person doing this research and spending all this time with people basically in their final days and moments of life, 
and none of them were concerned with how much money they made in those final days. None of them said, I wish I would have worked harder or worked more or longer hours or gone yeah. after that other promotion. It was all about doing, not having regrets. It was yeah. all about you know going yeah. after what they wanted to go after. And the biggest regret was not going after that. Yeah. And I think that if we can, maybe, if we can, I think it's harder to put ourselves in that position thinking, well, what's life gonna be like, like at the end for me? But if we can spend time maybe with people that are in that position, um, maybe that'll help us kind of wake no, up a little That's a good bit. point. Yeah, I read research where, where people say on their deathbed, it, it, they never, hardly ever, ever say they regret the bad thing they did. They regret the thing they didn't do. Yeah. And it's almost always a relationship driven. Yeah. It could be they didn't climb a mountain, but it's almost always I didn't spend enough time with my grandchildren or whatever That's right. That's people right. part of their lives they didn't fulfill. Yeah. Maybe we can put ourselves in those positions further down the road and kind of snap out of like the the matrix, so to speak, that we're in right now, and 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 look at life, you know, from a, a bigger picture, that timeline that you know there's going to come a day where you know none most of this stuff isn't going to matter. What is going to matter? Right. Right. What right. Exactly. Matter? How did how did uh, Doctor Tom how how did he well, I'm interested in the question he asked you, or he said, there's never been a better time. He asked you if you ever wanted to own your own business. Yeah. And he said, there's never been a better time. How old were you at that point? 47. That's interesting. Why, why at 47 had there never been a better well, time to own your own business? Well, I think his point was, you're, you're, out of, you're, you're looking for, you're making a change. You, you're not working. You're looking for something new to do. So this, this is a good time to pursue that because you're, you already quit your job. Right. Right? Yeah. So, which I had done. Yeah. So um, now, by the way, he, he started a new career at 50. But I find that interesting. Yeah. Because I think that there's, if you've been working for 20, 30 years up until that point, and you've programmed a certain way, there's a lot of courage, I think, that it takes to, to go out on your own at yeah. that point in life. No, there is a lot of courage. And he had the courage, and I think he encouraged me to have the courage. Well, you know, if you're mid-40s and you start a business, start something, you've got 25 years of wisdom under your belt. Mm -hmm. It's not like that was wasted. True. That whatever you did before. I don't think people look at it that way, though. Yeah. And I didn't look at that way. I do now. I, I, as I coach people or, or consult with people, I'm amazed how much I take for granted of what I learned in my 20 years at Alcoa or my time at 3M or my time in my recruiting company. All that happened. Yeah. It's in me. And, and it, it's, it's personal growth that you can help somebody else. So I, we take that for granted. Yeah, it's true. But, so, but um, as long as you're healthy and, and energetic and clear-headed, you, you can start a business at any age. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be in your 20s. <laughs> I think, I think um, because I struggled with that a little bit. You know, I'm 45 years old now. Okay. I've had, you know, it, I think it's the story we tell ourselves. The story I was telling myself was I've had three failed businesses. And the story I was saying was at 45 now, a career change, starting a new business, why me? You know, you know, who do I think I am kind of a thing. I've had these three failures. But that was the story I was telling myself. But if I reprogram that and look back and be like, look how much I literally learned from 20 years of owning multiple businesses. Like, even though I'm not currently doing any of them now, it doesn't mean it was a failure. No. Right? There's a lot that I can take away from it. Plus... I think two of them I chose to end. It, it didn't fail. I just it wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. Yeah. And um, but the story I was telling myself for a long time was I failed at those. Yeah. I think it would be a failure to stay in a business you don't enjoy. Ah. Uh, yeah. I think it'd be a failure to stay in a job you don't enjoy. Yeah. And we learn by falling. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. No. It's it's all so much. It's it's managing our thinking. Yeah. That's like the magic thing. How do we get our our thoughts? Correct. Our, 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 I promise you, our failures we learned from and we grew from them, and we're more now because of them. Yeah. So they're, they're not failures; they're they're part of your curriculum. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> people, people off. I, people I talk because I, I I use that a lot now myself too because I have I think conditioned myself so to speak to to look at failures as all learning lessons because you I don't believe I learned anything from my wins so to speak. I can't like what lesson did I get out of that? So like the ones where I made the mistake or the quote failure I've learned something from but I think that people have such a negative connotation with failure that they just sh sh block it shut it off yeah don't want to even admit it when it's happening or they're scared to try new things because of that didn't the work. shame something didn't work before being judged right yeah right 
so much judgment, I think. I think people are really wrapped up in that. And I think if we can get to a point where we care less about what other people think, maybe we'll do more things. I'm a huge fan of Wayne Dyer. Yeah. And he, 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 uh, he talks a lot about being independent of what other people think. Mm -hmm. He says you should be independent of the good and bad opinions of other people. Yeah. And being independent of their good opinion means you're not driven by praise. That's right. And being independent of their bad opinion is, is you're not affected by criticism. If you can get between those two and just be, oh my God, how powerful can you be? No doubt. Yeah. Do you ever, do you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk at all? I do. I so he him. talks a lot about being deaf to what people say, good or bad, and that's why he's doing so well. He's like, because you can't just not listen to when they're talking bad about you. You've got to turn off the good stuff too if you're really going to be true to that. Yeah. 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 Brene Brown has some talking about uh, it's only those in the, uh, those that are in the fight that matter. Like I, I used to literally take Wayne Dyer's thing literally, uh, independent of what people say about me, good or bad. She said, that's not a precisely true. You should listen to the input from those that you respect. Because mm -hmm. they're, they're in the, um, what's the word? They're, they're fighting the fight. Yeah. So don't just blindly turn off all input, but make sure you those that are in the grandstands booing at you, they don't count. Those that are in the arena, listen to them. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. you know, because you can learn from their wisdom and yeah. get a little bit better at yeah. your thing. I think I'm so I'm 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 a big proponent of building relationships. A lot of this podcast is about being authentic, building relationships with people, going deeper than a lot of the kind of surface stuff we do. But it took me a while to get there. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jim Rohn. Yeah. Huge fan. Like, Jim Rohn changed my life in 2010 or 11, the first time I heard of him. I'm like, this stuff is genius. And it's like, so basic, but so genius at the same time. Yep. And one of the things Jim said was, um, you've got a couple choices when it comes to uh, developing relationships with people or your relationships. You need to take inventory of your relationships. And then you've got kind of three options. You can expand them if they're people that you want to spend more time with. You can limit them if they're people you don't want to spend all that much time with, maybe an hour here or there, but not a day, or you can eliminate them, right? And when I heard that, I was in the middle of building a business that I started eliminating all of these relationships. I missed the first two pieces of that. I started just cutting people out of my life because I thought I didn't want to hear any of the negative feedback. I just wanted to surround myself with the good. And so I think I maybe went a little too extreme uh -huh. in that point. Yeah. But um, yeah, but relationships are a big factor in how I, or how I live my life now. Yeah. I want to build deep relationships because when I look back on my life, you know, let's say I'm 45, so 70 years from now, because um, I'm going to live to be 115, thanks to you. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to remember the relationships. Yeah. Well, and I would suggest the legacy is a big part of it. The legacy, yes. But also, there's magic in relationships in living a happy life now, in, in a happiness, well being. There's a huge relationship piece. But having business success is hugely relationship-driven. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things Tom Hill taught me. Um, like he, he really encouraged me to open my, open my view to letting synchronicity happen, which is like predict predictable, predictable miracles of interactions with people or ideas that can not be because you're focused on them. You're just open to it happening. Mm -hmm. And it happens all the time some random meeting with somebody or something you read or something you heard can be the trigger the trigger of the the tipping point of yeah. something you're working on i yeah. love that i've become i've become just um i rely on that as one of my superpowers yeah is be open to the randomness of meeting people so with that in mind then make meeting people an objective mm -hmm. just keep meeting new people and grow in relationships I, I think it's Ron who said you become the average of the five That's people. Right. I love, love, love that. You become the average of the five adults you spend the most time with. So be very careful with that. And, and like you mentioned, re-inventory at least once a year. Who am I spending the most time with? And if there are people in that circle that are toxic or negative or, or trashing your dreams, then remove them yeah. and, then bring, and then bring in new people, ideally people you can learn from people that you want to aspire to be like. Yeah. But too many people just hang out with their college buddies or their neighbors or their brother-in-law who are just a bunch of negative nitwits that destroy their dreams. That's right. That we, have, we don't have to do that. 
And we know why they destroy their dreams too, don't we? I yeah, mean, we they, do. They, they feel bad about theirs. Yeah, and they, they don't they want you to stay in the tribe. That's right. Yeah. Because when that gap starts to widen and they feel all of a sudden they're getting further away, they want to yeah. pull you back. They don't want to go with you. No. When which would be probably a better solution. Yeah. No, and it's often this is kind of a tough thing about life. It's oftentimes your tribe that's most against your growth. They love you so much to keep you little. And yeah. you have to decide, do I want to grow or do I want to stay in the tribe? What are some good ways for people to maybe up-level their tribe and to surround themselves with some people that more are, you know, are pushing them instead yeah. of pulling them back? Well, you, you can literally inventory who you're spending time with and write, write their names down and ask yourself, are they contributing to my growth, first of all? And then what kind of, can I learn from them? And if there's nobody in your circle that you can learn from, then go make a list of who do I want to learn from and then find a way to get them in, in your tribe. Mm -hmm. People love to help other people. Yeah, They love it. So go do that. And this is all stuff Tom Hill taught me. Like you can make that a mechanical list of names mm -hmm. that you pursue. Mm -hmm. But most important is get out of your life the, the negative influences. Now family members, that's a special group that you have to do some interaction with. Yeah. But you can limit it. True. Christmas or Thanksgiving or New Year's or whatever, spend a few hours with them. Tell yourself this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. Be polite, and then when they leave, kiss them goodbye and get on with your life. That's right. <laughs> How do people keep their their mindset strong enough to not uh, maybe fall back into old ways or waver when when they are you know it's the holidays right now as we're recording yeah. this and you know people are going to be surrounded by loved ones and family. I mean not just now but all the time. And, and I think you you. You got to have higher level goals you're working toward. Yeah. Higher level ambition in your own life of what you're going after, and if you have to spend some time with a, a toxic brother-in-law, you, you just you grin and bear it. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's okay. Yeah. Things you do in in honor of your, the family, of course, but it's just for a few hours or a few days. It'll pass, and, it, shall pass. and they'll leave, right? and then you can giggle about it, mm -hmm. and get on, with your, get on with your life. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is that easy. It is that easy. It is. And I'm not saying kick everybody out completely, mm -hmm. but... But I think staying connected to your, your bigger purpose, your bigger goal, is the thing. And I think often I've heard people say before that, well, I'm just surrounded by too much negativity. I've got too many people trying to hold me back, and it's... And it's and it's pulling me back, and I'm like, well, then you you're not connected enough to really what you want, right? Your no. goal. It's not you don't have a big enough why. Yeah, and know? I would I would suggest that person you just described they're living in a self-constructed prison mm. that they need to break out of. Wow. Now they maybe they're in a job and they're surrounded by nothing but negative influences. Well, then get a new job. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's if it's your college buddies that you're Hank, you're going to play poker with every Thursday, and it's nothing but negative. Then quit going. Yeah. You got some say in this. <laughs> you do. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's making you go there. Mm -mm. And it, it's it's uncomfortable. It's hard. Yeah, this is hard. But it's worth it's worth the effort. Yeah, that's right. It's worth <laughs> it in the end. Yeah. 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 And then get your surround yourself with people that that are encouraging you. That will raise your own bar. They'll say, "Dude, do more. I love this. Go for it." Yeah. How can I help you? That's what you want to be around. They're out there. Yeah, they are. Heck yeah, they're out there. And yeah. then be that for them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, love that. I can get amped up on this stuff. No good. I love <laughs> that. You know, I, 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 personal development, when I first, Jim Rohn was my first introduction to personal development, and I have been a junkie ever did, since. I know you read my book. Yep. Did you remember Tom Hill's story about Jim Rohn? I don't know if I put this in here or not. No, I, but Jim Rohn was mentioned in the book. So Tom Hill was a professor at the University of Missouri, pure egghead, had had um, tenure, could not, yep. couldn't get fired, could, could do nothing to get fired. Yep. And he, uh, one of his, one of his uh, associates went to a Jim Rohn seminar, secretly, illegally audio taped it. Oh yeah, that's right. And he and listened he, to the tapes. And he time. threw the cassettes to Tom and said, hey Tom, you might want to listen to this. And Tom played those in his car till the point they broke. Yep, I do and remember. Tom Hill gives Jim Rohn credit for changing his life yeah. and giving him the courage to go do something entrepreneurial. But had it not been Jim Rohn's wisdom, it, it probably would have never happened. And he would have retired as a comfortable wow. professor in Columbia, Missouri. 
So that's one of those, how did you describe it? Uh, miracle synchronicity. 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 Yeah, there's no coincidences, right? I, th I think we can both agree on that one. No, there are no coincidences. Yeah. And that was a, a synchronicity that he thanks God for to this day. Because had that not happened, who knows? Yeah. You got to be open to those, right? Yeah. I mean, like, they're everywhere if we just pay attention and we're not going. Like, I love the title of your book, From Autopilot to Authentic, because Autopilot's a word I use over and over and over again, and I think so many of us, myself, like I'll speak for myself, but people I've talked to, like we're just on autopilot, and there's things happening all around us that if we could just pay attention to them, could change our life in a second. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it um, our brains are limited in how much we can take in, and there's there's more out there than we could ever. Our brains would blow up if we tried to, like absorb all of it so we're conditioned to get really laser focused on where we're going that's right but we can we can we can uh alter that and encourage ourselves to be more open um and part of it's just a belief that it's, it's more out there than i realize and solutions are out there if i'm just more open to it so i tell people my my personal success if i've had any is roughly half my own focus and discipline. I'm very, very, very good at focusing and disciplining myself to get a ton done in a short amount of time. And at the same time, being open. Like, wow. I, I use like, I'm open 180 degrees. I wanna get open to 270 or maybe 360, where when that correct, that <coughs> per person or idea or, or, or solution to my problems crosses my way, I wanna, I wanna be open to that yeah. and, and go, oh. And that comes down to taking time to talk to people and taking time to read and learn because we're too myopic yeah we're gonna miss it all that's right and we'll be on our little path of focus but that only take you so far yeah yeah how much of this comes down to so um, I thought I had I, I hear Tony Robbins talking about the reticular activating system all okay. the time I hear other people talk about it it's basically like you know you know what this is like I don't. You, okay so it's basically this part of your brain that once you introduce something into it you start to then like see it everywhere. everywhere so it's like if you buy a brand new red Toyota yeah. today and yeah. you've never seen another red Toyota guess what you're gonna see yeah. every, forever every day everywhere you're like where'd all them. these red Toyotas come from exactly. Right? exactly so I think it's the same thing with these opportunities in our life that if we condition our mind to to be open to them if we're reminding ourselves that opportunities everywhere guess what opportunity is gonna be everywhere yeah but if we're if we're on autopilot if we're not seeing these positive things to ourselves if we're not working on ourselves and we're just Day to day, grinding away, we we do have that myopic vision. We do have those blinders on. We're going to miss everything around us. Yes, we are. Yeah. So it's it's a paradox. But how do you be both? Yeah. Because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of a personal discipline to to do the hard work to get the things done that you've set in front of you. That requires some dedication and effort. But you can also simultaneously be open. That's right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Talk, talk to me a little bit about um, you're, you're in the process of getting your PhD right now. I am. And so um, um, we were talking a little bit more about Brene Brown, and I want to see how these kind of things come together. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So when I was in, um, when I was a little kid, I, I, I knew I loved people. I knew I was curious about things. In college, I had a couple of psychology courses as, as non-core classes. And as I look back on that, those are my favorite classes. By far, mm -hmm. I couldn't wait to go, and then I just moved on. And then I don't know. Nine years ago, I read the book *Flourish* by Dr. Martin Seligman, which introduces to me this concept of positive psychology, and it it shook me. Um, I've, I've had there's been some mental health issues in my family, and I've I've had um, family members that went through went through hell and now and then grew and are stronger and better for it. Other family member who took her own life. So I have these different outcomes in the same roof that have me curious about adult resilience. And this whole science of positive psychology and what Martin Seligman has done really goes at that. And how do you, how do you help a generally healthy person live a life in a way that they're much more likely to flourish in the future? Um, and we've talked about personal development. When I was in my corporate life, I thought that people who read personal development books were just weak-minded, lost people who couldn't make it in the real world and just sort of chasing something easy. I realized I was wrong, but the, this uh, field of positive psychology brings scientific evidence to, to the science of how does 
a generally healthy person get even healthier emotionally. And that grabbed my attention to the point I decided to go get a PhD in it. Actually, I, there's a, Seligman has a master's degree in applied positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania that I was getting ready to go do. And I was telling Tom Hill about it, my coach. And he goes, well, Brett, don't you already have a, a master's degree? I go, yeah. He goes, well, get a doctorate. I went, I can? He goes, well, I think so. Look into it. That's the power of coaching, by the way. Right. My coach said, "Get a, how about getting a doctorate? Yeah. So I looked into it. There, there is no PhD in positive psychology, so I'm getting one in organizational psych. But I'm taking all the positive psychology courses I can. Okay. And that, that field is growing really, really fast with um, applications, things that people can do to improve their lives. And it's being used in the Army and in the Navy. Uh, new recruits are going through positive psychology training, as well as are, are the sergeants and the, the uh, drill sergeants. And they have enough evidence now that it's bringing a big reduction in depression, a big reduction in PTSD, a big reduction in anxiety disorders when the soldiers come back from deployment. So now there's a correlation of how powerful this is. But um, I'm selfishly applying these principles in my own life and watching my life get better, and I'm using it with my, my clients. So uh, I'll have my PhD done in 12 months. I'm declaring that by December 30th, 2020. I'm getting ready to do my, my research for my dissertation. And then it'll be kind of cool to have that done. Yeah. Yeah. People ask me, why are you doing it? Well, just because I'm interested in it. Yeah. I'm 58 and I'm paying for this myself, but it's been a really, it's the hardest thing I've done, and I'm and a thing I'll be really proud of when it's over with. Because I'm interested in it. What a perfect answer. <laughs> you know, like really, like, it's so simple, but I think there's so many people that wanna do something and talk themselves out of it. Like, they're interested in something. Like, I'll, let's use me. I keep saying so many people. Every time I say so many people, I mean me, <laughs> all right? So when I say so many people, it's just me. Like, um, I just finally admitted out loud to my wife recently that I wanna learn guitar. Never told anybody that before, I want to. I also, I wanna learn to sing. And I'm like, I don't know if I can learn to sing. I love to sing in my car. I'm terrible at it. There's a possibility I'm completely tone deaf. I don't know, but it's, it's bad. But I'm like, I wanna take vocal lessons. But like, for years I've told myself, you're too old for that, why do you wanna do it? All these things, but I'm interested in it, right? And so I've just now allowed myself to do things that I'm interested in. And you know what I started doing? This is weird, but I've got a, a note on my phone, an ongoing note, yeah. that every time something pops in my head and I'm like, I'm interested in that, I write it down. I love that. And I'm, gonna, I'm going through the list. I love And that. I might not get them all right now, but I'm going through the list. And, that, sing, and singing's on there. <laughs> that'd be a good book. I'm interested in it. Right? So I'm, I'm going to, when I finish what I'm doing, this PhD, I want to grow my business a bit. I, I've got a goal on when I want to be financially free. And I don't use the word retirement. I think retirement is a, a bad philosophy. Yeah. I know far too many people, people my age who spent 30 or 40 years in a job or career they didn't like, retire and die. Yeah. That's not good. So I, I'm not going to ever retire, but so that means I'll work my whole life. But at some point, I want to be financially free, so I don't have to work and get paid for it. Just do something fun. What does financially free mean? Can I have enough pay? assets to cover all the bills and all the experiences I want to go experiences. do. There you go. For the 115 years I'm going to live. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I just moved to a teeny weeny apartment in downtown Durham, and we had to get rid of like half our stuff. Mm -hmm. That was so healthy for us to do I that. I bet you that felt good. And I know sometimes when people sell everything, it's a, a trigger that they're depressed and they might be thinking about taking their own lives. Mine's the exact opposite. I, I can't wait to live this, I'm living it, this minimalist life. Yeah. But one day I'm going to go to seminary, I'm just, and one day I'm going to go to law school. Okay. Because I'm interested in both. Look at that. Yeah. And people think I'm crazy. I, I love that. I don't care. Yeah, right. I'm not doing it for more letters behind my name. I'm doing it because I'm interested in That's it. That's right. But I want to be financially free enough to pour my time and money into it and not have it be a um, a burden on my wife or myself. Mm -hmm. I uh, I love that piece because I'm interested in um, learning Spanish. I'm we'd interested. We be in. Yeah, you go. Yeah, great. <laughs> Look at that. I knew what that means. Um, I took Spanish in like high school and uh, and then just stopped. Like I was like, ah, oh. I was really interested in it, but I just stopped. You know, it's one of the things. And now, 25 years later, I'm like, I want to do that again. But you know, there's part of there's part of me 
that says, oh, it's too late, you don't need it. Not too late. And I've, that's what I'm saying. I've got to convince, I've got to talk myself out of that. But I think a lot of people, myself, um, say those things to themselves. Yeah. It's too late. I like, so I was in your, we did a workshop uh, yes. a couple weeks together. Right. A couple weeks ago together. And um, it, putting a timeline down on paper and showing like the, the day we were born, where we are now, the day we want to live until, right? right? Um, that was a big, big moment for me to Good. look at it like that and to say, okay, yes, I'm, I'm 45 years old now, but if I want to live to be 115, that's 70 more years. My life's not even half over yet. No. And so that shapes a lot of the decisions I make now. It's not too late to learn Spanish, to start a new business, to run a marathon, to do whatever. No, it's not too late. Yeah. There's a, so Wayne Dyer has a really good book out called Excuses Be Gone. Oh. And it goes into all these excuses we give ourselves. I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too, <laughs> I'm too fat, I'm, I'm too poor, I'm too dumb. And literally, it has uh, cards in the back that you can take, cut out and put in your wallet. Like if I'm too old, you flip it over. The, the age of my physical body has no impact on my capacity to do cool things. Something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so. I need to read that. <laughs> that's a really good book. I need to read that. Because yeah. I think I'm on top of it. And then all of a sudden, these no, thoughts it, pop it, in my head. And it, it teaches you to, it, it builds your awareness when you use the, the wrong vocabulary. Mm -hmm. like you, you, I hope I never hear you say I'm too old. Yeah. You're not too old for anything. That's it. Yeah, I can look at you're physically healthy. Yeah. And your your 25 years of adult experience positions you so much better at 45 than at 20 That's to go right. do whatever it is you want to go do. I love that we now know that our brains are not fixed, but with a growth mindset, you can learn anything at any age. They used to think that your brain, when you're born, you're born with certain number of brain cells, and once, once you kind of become a grown-up person, that's your brain. And if you won the brain lottery, you were really smart. Mm -hmm. But if, if not, sorry for you. Well, now we're learning that you can learn anything at any age, and neuroplasticity goes on. It might be a little bit harder, but it's, it's, so it's still available. You can learn any language and, and get rid of your U.S. accent. They used to think you couldn't do that. Wow. Yeah. So it gives me great hope. Yes. There are a lot of things I want to get good at. Yes. And it's just a matter of declaring a goal to go get good at it. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Uh, have you read The Growth Mindset or a uh, book called Mindset by Carol Dweck? I have not. There's, there's all kinds of research about if you, if you have the belief that you can go figure things out as a person, as an organization, that's far more, uh, you'll be far more successful than those that think they have a fixed capacity and you just kind of do your best with that. Yeah. I've always believed that way. That's that's you something. Can learn that, anything? Yeah, that's my. I think my my wife um, used to. Not, I wouldn't say give me a hard time about it, but it was always something. She was like, I just I find it so unique that no matter what it is, you're like, oh, I, I can figure that out. Yeah. I just I mean, no matter what it is, like I've never believed there's something I couldn't do. That's awesome. And I mean that that is the definition of confidence is your ability, your belief in yourself that you can figure something out. Hmm. And with with Google. And YouTube, oh, yeah. we can learn anything. My, anything. my son, who's 29, taught me that. Because I'd go to him and say, Patrick, I don't know how to do such and such. He's a, he's a brilliant mechanic. He'd go, Pop, YouTube it. Mm -hmm. Pop, there's a thing called Google. And I, I finally realized, duh. Instead of me saying, I don't know how to do something and just stopping, Google it. It's right there on our fingertips. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 it, and it's a, uh, a habit of figuring things out. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. And then do it. <laughs> I love it. How important, like, this is the this is going to be the biggest softball question you've ever had in your whole life. Okay? Right. You ready for this? I'm ready for it. It's going over the Poof. fence. <laughs> How important is it for people to have a coach in their life? Uh, I can't imagine where I would be today without a coach. Both, like, 12 years ago when I started working with a coach, that was like a tip, a triggering event for me to be ready to take responsibility for my life and, and, and shift off of my version of autopilot, which was living other people's lives and living my own life. Maybe I would have triggered that without a coach, but I don't know. He, he's the one that taught me the things I learned to, to make that shift. And then once a month, for over a decade now, I've had a phone call with him, and he keeps raising the bar. Mm. He keeps challenging me and encouraging me and pushing me. So I know I'm way 
better human being because of it. And I think w the, w life is too complicated at times for us to see things clearly without some kind of outside help. Not Coaching is not advising. Coaching, for some people, it's the only adult relationship they have with somebody else who will really attune to them and listen to them and, and then challenge them and help an individual figure their own lives out. Mm -hmm. So um, there's lots of evidence that coaching helps people, both professionally and personally. Uh, you, can, you can do it without coaching, but coaching is certainly uh, a tool that will help anybody. Yeah. And, and there's all kinds of different versions of coaching, but I, for those who have never experienced it, I would recommend give it a try. I've sought coaching and mentorship for a long, long time. If I look back, you know, as a, as, a, as a kid growing up, and I've said this before on here, that I didn't have what I would consider, so the relationship I have with my son now, I didn't have that as a boy with my dad. With your dad. Yeah, I didn't have that sort of mentorship. Yeah. And um, for my whole adolescence, I think growing up, there really, I didn't have any um, uh, mentor that I was like trying to model my behaviors after or learn from or help them. They were helping me kind of guide. And I'm not saying that my dad, um, I didn't mean that to be a negative thing by any means. He was there as a great dad. It just wasn't, we didn't have that relationship. Right. And so I'm, I'm very ac active in that with my son now who's only three. Like I, I see there's a lot of ability oh, for me to help perfect time shape to that. Yeah, I think son. it's a great time, right? Oh my gosh, he's learning right now. So. Yeah, so, I, I've, I, for, so then when I, when I got a little bit older, I think in college, my lacrosse coach was probably the first kind of mentor I had. Right. Um, and then from there, I just started being like, okay, I was open to it. And I'm like, I need to find this out. And so the first business I started, I had one. Um, I learned a lot from him. Um, and then um, into real estate, I had one. Um, but it wasn't natural to me in the beginning. Uh -huh. How, if somebody has never worked with a coach or a mentor before, and you know they're listening to this right now, and they feel something inside of them that they're interested in, that they're, they're feeling a calling, something they want to do, how do they maybe find some help in taking those first couple steps? Yeah, a couple things come to mind. One is, like literally get a sheet of paper out and write down all the people that you know that you, you respect. It could be your uncle, it could be your old boss, it could be some guy that runs a business down the street. But make a list of the people you know that you really do respect. And ha have coffee with them. Have coffee with every one of them and tell them, you know, um, I really respect you and I want to just spend some time with you and tell you that, but I'm thinking about getting a coach. Do you know of anybody? And one of those people might. They might say, yeah, actually I do know a coach. Once you connect with so-and-so. That's one, one answer. Mm -hmm. Another answer is to go on the International Coaching Federation's website and look for a credentialed coach in your area. Um, there, there are all kinds of different flavors of coaches out there, mm -hmm. but the International Coaching Federation is the, the primary body that credentials coaches in an ethical approach. And eventually coaching will become regulated like therapy is. That would be a good thing. It'll be a good thing because it'll weed out all the There's a lot of experts out the there bad. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. So if you uh, hire a coach who's accredited through the International Coaching Federation, then you know they've gone through a lot of training. Mm -hmm. So it's coachfederation.org okay. is that website. Uh, now coaching can be really effective on the telephone or in video. You don't have to be in person, but, but I would start with trying to meet somebody local if okay. you can. Yeah, that's okay. I think that's a um, a good start. And but, but you probably already know somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. What is the for somebody that maybe doesn't know what that initial relationship looks like? Is there, um, you know, like when I start thinking about it, like I've been involved with mentoring and coaching before, so I know what it looks like now, further down the road. Right. In those first initial meetings for maybe or conversations of somebody that's maybe you know feels like they might need someone to help them in this area of their life, but maybe is a little hesitant or reluctant because they don't know what it looks like in the very beginning. Uh -huh. What did it look like? What's it look like for you when you work with people for the first time? Yeah, no, I, thanks for asking that. Um, what, what we do is we, 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 we sit down and just have a discussion about what's going, what's going on in your life, what, what are some areas you're concerned about, 
If you could wave your magic wand, which by the way you can, what would your perfect life look like, let's say five years from now? And just really just talk through that. And what happens is people say, well, I, you know, I've always wanted to learn to play the guitar and I just, for some reason, I haven't. Or I've always wanted to do this. Or I'm always, I always start something and I stop it. Or I just can't, there's always something they want more out of their life than they're delivering mm -hmm. and they don't, they feel stuck. And so a coaching conversation will, will bring those out and then start to light the path to what to do to move in that direction. And then you, you work together in that direction. And it, it, it can vary from really big, like uh, start a new business goals to I wanna be more present with my child, everything in between. Okay. Um, but it's always a one-on-one -on -one relationship where you discover what's happening now, you envision what it could be in the future, and you get about uh, planning actions to move in that direction. And the, my, in my coaching business, it's all about helping my clients achieve their goals faster and better than they would do without my help. Mm. And if I'm not helping that happen, it's not worth paying me. Got it. Uh, it's not therapy. Therapy tends to be looking backwards. It's not mentoring, because mentoring brings in specific experience in an area to kind of help somebody. Mm -hmm. It's not consulting, because consulting you're teaching. Coaching is, is what I just said, helping the person discover what's going on, envision what could be, and, and chart a pathway towards it with some uh, accountability on the side. That's a great And it, here's what we're finding. When a, when a person goes through that and they illuminate what their future could be, they discover what's happening now, and they think of the next step, they're far more likely to go do that thing that they came up with mm -hmm. versus something they read or some, some consultant told them to. And um, then you just keep momentum going, building on that. It's powerful. It's a really powerful way to, 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 to live a better life. That's a great way to explain it. I've Thank never you. heard it done that way. Mm -hmm. that, that makes it so clear. Yeah, now there's all kinds of other there are tools. You've heard of personality assessments and the circle of life. There's all kinds of tools that are out there to help kind of facilitate building awareness and understanding the gaps and what could be. But at the end of the day, it's really um, discovering what's in, inside the client's current capability to go do more. Have you ever read David Goggins? Oh yeah. So you know when he talks about people live within 40% of their capacity, yep. there's another 60% out there that we all have that we're not tapping into, oftentimes because it's, it, it's painful, yeah. like it physically hurts, or it emotionally hurts, or mentally hurts. Well, let's, let's hurt ourselves a bit and get at this 60% of untapped potential. And in the coaching philosophy with every client, I go into it, I go into it with a personal belief that my client has potential in him or her that she doesn't even know. And it's my job to, to tap into that yeah. untapped potential and then watch life happen better. I love that. Thank you. I love that. I, I get do. turned on by it. I love it. I coached lacrosse and that was a lot of my mindset right there. Goggins, he's the reason, or one of the reasons, maybe the main reasons why I'm, I'm training for a marathon right now, but the marathon's the starting point. Like I'm gonna run 30, oh, I love that. 50, my goal is to Wait, run 100 too miles. Old. Too old, right? Too old to do that. You're no, 40, I'm not. You're 45? I'm not too old. I'm gonna go run 100 miles one day. I love it. And it's because of Goggins, yes, because I believe in that 40% capacity. I believe in that um, experiencing the, the pain and the suffering and what we're made of is a good thing. And so I'm excited to, to do that. And That's awesome. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Well, check back in with me after I the will. 26 miles and see if I'm still this I excited will. about it. Can I share a story? Yeah, please. So I've, Kim and I, my wife, who I met on eHarmony, we've, run, we've done two half marathons a year for the past nine years. Impressive. She just turned 50. Oh, impressive. I'm 58. I won the lottery me, of the yeah. love lottery with another lady who actually will train with me. Cool. And we run them together. Now, the first several we ran literally the whole time together. But finally we got to the point, she could tell in my eyes I wanted to go fast. She goes, honey, go on. You can go. So now we don't run the whole thing together. But in last March I ran the Tobacco Road half. It's like my fourth time. And I had read Goggins' book coming up to it. I trained better and I took two minutes off my PR. I, I did it in 150, 
154, which to me is really fast. That's awesome. I mean, my goal is normally break two hours. That's awesome. And I, I, I think Goggins' words in my head of, it hurt. I mean, like at mile 10, I wanted to walk. Yeah. I didn't. And I shaved so much time off my time. And it, it was the month I turned 58. That's incredible. Yeah, my fastest run in my life. You're too so old I, to run that fast. I, I loved it. So, I mean, Goggins, he's a gift. Yeah. By the way, when the student is ready, the teacher will That's appear. Right. And, and he was the teacher I needed then. Impressive. Um, but I love it, what your goals are. And I, I, I read the book Living with a Seal, which is what introduced yeah, me to Goggins. Jesse Itzler. Yeah, yeah, I so listened that, on Audible. Yeah, well, that's where I heard. It. I, I say read. I <laughs> that listen. was crazy. I don't read. I, 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 tr I try to read at night. I read your book, but I do a lot in Audible because yeah. I spend so much time in the car these days. But yeah. that's that was big for me. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. So no. yeah, we could talk about Goggins all day. Oh, we could. Um, let me ask you this. So yes, we're gonna wrap up. Okay. And, um, where can people we'll go back to coaching for a second? Where can people find you and connect with you? Where are you online? How can people reach out to you if they want to learn more or talk to you or or just kind of connect and follow along in your journey? Yeah. So um, uh, my website is bestlifeglobal.com. I go by Brett Blair, executive coach. I, I've got I've got some cleanup to do on my my branding, but bestlifeglobal.com. Um, I'm on Facebook as Brett Blair. I'm on LinkedIn as Brett Blair. I'm on Instagram as Coach Brett Blair. If you Google Brett Blair, I'll pop up. All right. Uh, I've written From Autopilot to Authentic. It's on Amazon, on Audible also. They need to go get it because I read it and I loved it. Thank you. Absolutely. Living at the Summit is a fictional tale of, 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 of a fictional story. Um, and I love talking to people, meeting people. I, I'm, I'm a sponge for that. So please email me, call me on oh, my number is 919-452-1331 and I would love to connect with people. Man, you just made it really easy. If people are looking to connect and they can't follow through on that, then we definitely need to get some coaching so they follow through on that because that's right there. Yeah. Um, I love it. And so um, I guess my, my final question, and I think that, I mean, I could answer this for you, but I want to hear it in your words, is that, you know, the, the name of this podcast is Build It Better. Okay. A big part of it is I want people to build it better, build better lives, build better relationships. Just know that there's more, that they can do more. Yep. It doesn't have to be exactly where they are now. Your title from autopilot to authentic is really right in line with this, which is why I wanted to talk to you. But in your words, what does building it better mean to you? How can someone build it better? Yeah. So to me, it is your life, Yeah. your, your life, not other people's lives. And it starts by being really honest with yourself about what is your life and and what could it be like envision a better future and then commit to moving in that direction of a better future little by little and set a goal to get a little bit better every day a little better in your your spiritual life a little better in your physical health a little better as a parent a little better at your job a little better with your money a little better repeated forever will one day put you way above everybody else, but it's not other people you're comparing yourself to. It's just yourself. And if you can get your mind around that and go do that, man, that to me is a magic formula. Put, put people in there. Be a little bit better as a neighbor, a little better friend, a little better boss, a little better husband, but a little better. And as the compound effect shows you, you'll eventually be a lot better. That is a great answer. Mr. Brett Blair, yes. thank you for being here today, my thank friend. Thank you. It was I appreciate awesome. It. Let's do it again. Good luck to you. Thank you. See you. Bye. All right. That was a fantastic conversation. I'm super grateful Brett dropped by and uh, graced us with, uh, with all that great information. And uh, what I've got for you is some action steps. I hope you took some from it, but I do want to recap to give you a little bit of homework, if you will. First, I want you to wake up from your autopilot. Whatever your autopilot is right now, I want you to be aware of it, and I want you to wake up from it. I want you to start taking inventory of your tribe. And who are the five people that you spend the most time with? Stop for a minute. Write it down. Make a list. See who's on that list. And then make a list of what you're interested in. Let your brain just wander for a bit. Dream a little bit. Think back to when you were younger. 
what if if you weren't so old or so skinny or so overweight or so rich or so broke or so tired or whatever the things you're telling yourself what would you do if you weren't all of those things and make a list and then what I want you to do is make sure that you've got some people on that list that help and support you um, as you start to work to cross those things off your list, as you start to work towards those things that you're interested in, who are your people? Who's your new tribe? Who are those new people that are going to help you on that journey? Who can be your mentor? Who could be your coach? Who can you reach out to and ask for help or some positivity along your way as, uh, as things get tough and maybe start to get off track? Another piece of your homework, I want you to take one person to coffee or to lunch this week. One person that was on that list that could be somebody that could help you along your journey. And I want you to take them out for a meal or for a coffee or for a drink and just have a chat with them. And then what I want you to do is I don't want you to delay. I want you to get to work now on that list. And I want you to commit to being just a little bit better each and every day as you move forward because we got lots of time left. And let's do the things that we're interested in. Let's do the things that are fun. Let's build this life even better. Hope you guys have a great one, and I can't wait till next time.